Welcome back to episode two of Running Unopposed, the podcast hosted by Rose and Gabe, covering wacky, strange, corrupt, and sometimes downright evil politicians. Before we get into today's episode, we're going to do some predictions for the upcoming midterm elections in the U.S. Now, if you're outside the U.S. and don't care, we're going to, I will put in the show notes what time you can skip to. But if you do want to listen, get ready, because we're going to do that for a little bit. Take it away, Gabe. Yeah, I'd say this is probably going to take up like 20, 25 minutes at most. Um, This isn't going to be like the main focus of the episode. Louder. Oh, am I yeah. too loud? Yeah. Is this good? Yeah, that's good. Good. Stand okay, up so I'd say we are probably going to take about 25 minutes for this. Um, And these are really weird midterms because normally this should just be like a, like a grand slam for Republicans. Like inflation is like, like inflation's at like above 8% or something. Like the job market's strong, but like people like still can't buy gas or groceries. Like usually you think this is going to be like a knockout for Republicans, right? I will say gas prices have been going down a little bit. So like... I think that might help the Democrats avoid getting completely wiped out in the House and might limit their losses a bit. Mm-hmm. I still think they're losing the House, yeah. but I think they might, it, with the slightly lower gas prices, they might only lose it by like 15 seats as opposed to losing it by like 30 seats. Even 30 wouldn't be like entirely bad. If they lost it by like 40, that'd be bad because they'd be yeah. under 200. If they, or yeah, 30 too, like if they lose it, like if they stay above 200, like I'd say that's like a disappointing night for Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, no, if, if the Democrats stay above 200, then they're probably in good yeah. shape. Yeah, I think a lot of the gas price thing, like, isn't necessarily if they're going up or down, but, like, I, like if, but like that they might have just been up long enough so that, like, Biden's reputation is damaged from it. Yeah, no, it's definitely hurting Biden, for sure. But I don't know how much it's hurting down-ballot Democrats. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Something I do find, um, what I think the funniest outcome would be, would not be if Democrats somehow keep the House, but if Republicans take the House, but Kevin McCarthy still can't cobble the votes to be Speaker. That would be so baller. Because from what if, I've heard, like, he's kind has of just... Dis- has that ever happened where the minority party gets the Speaker? Um, I don't know. All right, that... That would be wild. If that happened, but probably what happened is that they would just like have like some sort of like internal coup to like make someone else speaker. Yeah, probably. In the GOP. Yeah. The, now is, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, because. Now is, well, now get ready for the rise of Steve Scalise. No, here's <laughs> the thing though, because P- D- Kevin McCarthy is disliked on so many fronts because like the, like the last few like never Trumpers, they don't like him. Yeah, that's true. They don't. Because he voted to overturn the election results in Arizona and Pennsylvania. Yeah. But a lot of like the like the uh, MTG types, they don't like him either because in several key races, he backed the like the quote unquote moderate Republicans as opposed to just like the out and out like Trumper, like stop the steal people. Yeah, he's he's trying to walk a very fine line and I will be fascinated to see if he can keep doing it. No, it's like. Either way, like, it's going to, like, be kind of funny because, like, he's, like, going to, surreg- sur- like, give up, like, any remaining shred of dignity he has either way. And, like, I'm going to enjoy watching that. Oh, absolutely. It's it's going to be a weird house session. Like, I could see a scenario where Republicans just say fuck it and, like, try to crash the economy on purpose to hurt Biden. Like, I think there's a non-zero chance that happens. I could also see that backfiring because, like, Kevin McCarthy isn't, like, overwhelmingly charismatic, and I don't know if he's, like, that great a communicator to the public. 
Yeah, I mean, the uh, there is a possibility that Biden somehow throws it back in their faces, I guess we could say. Yeah, no, I think this these midterms overall are very interesting because this is a very wide map in ter- because in a lot of these deep blue states, you have Republicans scaring a lot of Democratic incumbents, but in red states, the opposite is happening. Yeah, like, you know, Kirstie Noem in South Dakota, like, she she looks like she's not up by a ton, but also, no, like... Fine. I think it's Oklahoma that Republicans yeah, are worried Yeah, Oklahoma about. also. Um, but, like, Republicans might win Oregon. That would be insane. Or also, like, Washington, the Senate, the Senate race in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's going to be some... there. Ha- there's potential for a really weird night. It would be really funny if, like, it's still a 50-50 Senate because, like, Republican these Democrats, like, get wiped out and, like, Washington, but, like, somehow, like, pick up, but somehow, like, Chuck Grassley loses in Iowa. God, I, I can dream that Chuck Grassley will lose in Iowa, but I think that man is being carried out of the Senate in a body bag. Like, yeah. I don't think he's ever leaving. Yeah, no, I think that this is, that Iowa, I actually want to talk about this a bit. This is okay, kind yeah, of an outlier race. Because I think this is going to be a good marker of not necessarily like, I don't think Democrats are going to win it either way, but I think the margin is going to be a good marker of, okay, like, is any signs of like Republican weakness just kind of, is it all for nothing? And are they going to be fine? Or are Democrats actually putting up a fight? Because if this guy like Michael T. Franken, I think is his name, um, if Mike Franken can put, can keep the margin, like, can keep Grassley like around like 55%, like, Republicans might not have a great night overall. Yeah, I I think Iowa will be a good predictor of Pennsylvania if Iowa comes in first. I don't know if it will. I was in a different time zone, so Pennsylvania. Um, so they'll probably just count more votes in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's Iowa a fair closes. point, actually. Yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah. I'm bullshit. You know, so how should we like start talking about these? Should we just like go east to west, west to east, whatever like comes to mind? Whichever way you want to do it. Oh, I don't really have, like, a super solid plan. I guess we can just kind of wing it. Yeah, go for it. So, um, let's see. So, let's start off with New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah, hit me. I don't really know much about this one. So, New Hampshire, um, the incumbent Democrat, she's very low profile, very centrist. Her name is Maggie Hassan. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay, I know her. This was a, um, Republicans were really upset about this because Rick Scott, as you probably know, is leading the effort to take back the Senate this cycle for the GOP. Yeah. Um, and do you know who Chris Sununu is? Yeah, he's the very popular Republican governor of New yeah, Hampshire. Yeah, they were really trying to get him to run against Maggie Hassan. Okay. And How'd he said go? no. That is unfortunate for them. Yeah, no. Uh, no, it seemed like, from what I heard, um, he told he told Scott he wasn't running minutes before he announced it on TV that he wasn't running for Senate. But Brutal. What it sounded like, it sa- but from his speech, it sounded like he was kind of like trying to tease Rick Scott to like, throughout the speech until announcing that he wasn't because he opened it he was saying like look i'm uh i'm very i'm sure we're very excited to see our party take back the senate and uh prevent that 51st uh vote going to chuck schumer whose agenda i think we all can agree is a losing agenda for america um which like i feel like that's something you say if if you're making an announcement when you're saying and that's why i'm running for senate in this state yeah is he like campaigning for the republican or now um sununu yeah i'm Sununa. not sure um i let me see if he's in endur- endur- okay according to wikipedia he has endorsed him okay yeah yeah but i don't know if he's like campaigning for him so and tell me about the guy running against us so this guy 
this guy, uh, Don Baldick, he's a retired military guy. Okay. And um, uh, his campaign has been his campaign has been running close in a lot of the uh, in in recent days. He's really closed the gap. But here's the thing that I think might sink him. I think he's alienated both wings of the party because he wasn't trying to go the full on thing of like, no, I'm going to run as like a moderate, like, and say that like Biden won like can't like fair and square. But he, but he was also saying things like 2020 was stolen. And then he was like, no, it wasn't. And then he was saying things like, well, I think there might've been, I think there's questions that we can raise. You know, I think that's allowed. And then he, and then he was saying he wasn't going to cut social security and, and change New Hampshire's abortion laws. So it seems like he's just kind of, kind of just looking at the news cycle and saying what talking point do i need for today and he doesn't really just he just he just doesn't seem to have a very clear message he likes to flip-flop that's what you're saying yeah but it's not like a vance thing where it's like he's doing like a one-time reverse and was like no i'm a maga guy now like it seems like he's can't really decide that's uh that is not a great way to get elected, but, you know, if it works, it works. Yeah, because I feel like Vance, what Vance did was he basically said, okay, no, I'm a MAGA guy now, you know, screw this whole never Trump thing. But Boldix hasn't, can't seem to decide what he wants to do. Yeah. Well, I suppose so, that could hurt him. Yeah. Now, well, since we've brought him up, let's talk about Ohio. Yeah, I think uh, Maggie Hassan wins this one. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah, this is a, an interesting one because... Oh wait, are you like are you counting down? No, I'm just okay. Counting. You're okay. Yeah, you're doing like this with your finger, so I thought yeah, that was like sorry. three, two, one. No, my bad. Yeah. So, um, Ohio. This is held by the retiring, re- retiring, um, incumbent Republican senator Rob Portman, who I would not say is a moderate, but he's not like on the right wing of the party. He's not like a Rick Scott or Josh Hawley type. Because, for example, he was very in, 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 instrumental in that bipartisan infrastructure bill getting passed last year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but he also voted non um uh, uh Katanji Brown Jackson. That he did. Yeah, and his statement, I read a statement, it was very odd because it was saying things like, for example, as you know, Judge Jackson's nomination would be historic, you know, having the first black lady serve on the Supreme Court, but he was also in the statement it gradually like got more like bitter and cynical and was like, it's become clear to me that Judge Jackson will embrace a radical left agenda and can't be trusted to like interpret the law non-partially. Yeah. Yeah. Which it seems like a surprising amount of Republicans did because Roy Blunt, the incumbent in Missouri, if I remember correctly, he's also retiring. If I remember correctly, he basically said, um, yeah, this is historic, but I'm still a no. Yeah, I I mean, it's one of those things where like at this point. It's pretty hard to justify to your voters if you're like a hardcore Republican voting for anything Biden does just because like, you know, they've spent two years calling him Satan incarnate. So, you know. Yeah. And but I think but the thing is, I don't think they're as I think they have some sort of um, this like there's kind of like this voice in their head holding them back from doing like the Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz thing where they basically just go, um, but they basically go, um, Justice Jackson, um, why is it that you uh, support pedophiles? Yeah, they're not trying to get, like, I don't think Roy Blunt is trying to get, like, epic viral videos on right-wing media the way, like, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley are. Well, Roy Blunt is retiring, so he's yeah. kind of just saying, eh, like, I'll vote against Biden, but I'm kind of, but I'm done. Like, you, this is your problem now. I'm out of here. Yeah, no, I, I think that he just doesn't really care. I, uh, Ohio's interesting because for a while the polls had Ryan like up or even, but 
the most recent polls, you look at them, they don't look great for Tim Ryan. But here's the thing. Republicans are surging in a lot of states, but a lot of these polls are also sponsored by Republican firms. That is true. That and is true. And a lot of them advances either like right outside the margin ever or barely inside it in terms of his lead, which makes me think if that's the case, I don't know how competent Vance can be. I mean, yes, except there was an Emerson College poll that had Vance at 53, which is very good for him. That's guess, the highest I've seen him ever poll. I guess, but only, but one poll. Yeah, no, it could be an outlier. Ryan has a shot. I just don't think he's got it. Yeah, I want to say Vance wins, but I'm going to force myself to say Tim Ryan partially because I don't want to like go through the next two days agonizing about like what J.D. Vance inevitably wins, number one. Number two, I think Ryan's just running a better campaign. Like he's doing oh, much better. better. Like he's he's kind of distancing himself from the Democratic Party on certain things like defund the police, but he's not going out and out saying, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually a Republican. Like he's like he is attacking Vance hard. I don't he's not most of the Democratic Party is not calling for defunding the police. That's like three people. No, but you know what I mean? Like he's more explicitly yeah. rejecting it. Like a lot of Democrats are just saying, like, yeah, let's but not like, talk about it. Ryan has ads where like and one of them is where he throws a football at a TV screen that says defund the police. Okay, yeah. So he's like aggressively against it. All right. But he's I, also, know, I think a lot of Democrats are campaigning. I mean, Biden is like a big talking point of his that he's like increasing funding for the police. Really? From what yeah. I can tell, mostly he, he talks about talk, it a lot. But I, the last few weeks, he's mainly been talking about Social Security and how Rick Scott's plan is basically just openly calling for cuts to it. Yeah, that too. Yeah, no. Got to get that um, senior vote. Yeah, no, but I think um, uh, I think Ryan could win because he's doing this good economic populist message of he's kind of running like on what we would think are Republican issues, but he's not talking about like budget deficits or saying like I'm voting against increasing like you know government spending that causes inflation. He's running. He's basically saying Vance is a um a puppet of Peter Thiel and is outsourcing jobs to China. Yeah, true. Which you know, true. Yeah. Should I play <laughs> that or no? Nah, because I I don't know if we have the right. I don't know if that's like public domain or not. It's on YouTube and like on his channel. Yeah, but so it's plenty of stuff. I don't know if we're. Yeah, that's to fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, Vance. I think I could see Ryan. Even though Mike Dewine is a shoe in for re-election, something yeah. shared Brown brought up, which is interesting, is that not that many people seem to be pumped to vote for Mike Dewine or JD Vance. Yeah, I think Ohio is a reach for Democrats, but I don't think it's totally lost. Yeah, I think it's very possible also that a lot of people look at Vance and are like, wait, you left Ohio to go to San... Because that's something else Ryan's talking about. You know, J.D. Vance left Ohio to go to San Francisco to profit from globalization and free trade, and now he's trying to run for Senate and like pretends to care about you. Yeah, which is true, and... I don't think it matters because I think it's a Republican-leaning state in a Republican-leaning year. I think if this was 2018, I would say Ryan is favored to win the race. But because it's 2022, I think it's not. I guess, but here's here's the thing. I think that Ryan being comes said, across as much more authentic. And in the debates, which I don't think matter that much, but I think they are indicative, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Ryan is just dunking on J.D. Vance every day. Oh, true. I'm going to predict Ryan wins. Mostly because he has a tenuous connect, a uh, fairly uh, not even tenuous, a, a connection to our episode topic today, and I like that. That's yeah. I'm to gonna make. I'm gonna say Ryan wins as well. Um, okay. I don't know if I think he will, but I'm gonna say he does. I think he's running a much better campaign than Vance. Yeah. 
like Vance is a like there's this one really funny moment from the debate I saw where it's um Tim Ryan was attacking Vance because Vance had said Alex Jones was more reputable than MSNBC. Yeah. And he would and Tim and JD was like, I never said that. And Tim Ryan just had to tell him, You're on tape. Everyone saw it. Nice. And Tim and Vance at some point said, you know, run the tape yourself. You can see what I said. And Ryan just shot back and basically said, okay, it'll be 30 minutes and we're all going to know you're lying. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about JD Vance is like, he just lies about shit. Well, not just that, but he's also not, he's, he's, it's very like, he is like, a lot of candidates have this thing where they pivot pivoted to being MAGA guys when they realized that Trump was very popular popular at the base, which they realized when he became president. But most of them did not make their make their career. Most of them did not come to fame by talking about how awful Trump was and how he was America's Hitler, and then just pivot and go, "No, I'm actually MAGA now." Yeah, like I think like- Vance comes across as very phony when he's trying to talk about things about how. You know, the Democrats want open borders so that way they can replace white people or whatever and they're bringing in fentanyl and sex traffickers or whatever. Whether J.D. Vance wins or loses, I think he will be a future episode topic of this podcast. Because what's interesting to me about him is that his book, Hillbilly Elegy, was mostly popular with liberals. Like, you know, the they made like a movie out of it that went straight to Netflix that had like Hollywood people in it. Like, His book was, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's, he was sort of a, like the liberal rural whisperer for a while. And then he decided to pivot to being like a hardcore Republican. Yeah, no, because his book, a lot of Republicans, a lot of um, Democrats in 2016, and I'll admit I was also among these people were being, were very confused. You know, these, you know, they looked at Appalachia and said, it's so poor. There's so many, they've lost so many jobs. Why are they voting for this? rich republican who just obviously has nothing but contempt for them and vance gave a lot of these people answers and people went oh okay that makes sense and now vance is going no actually um it's uh i actually like trump now (laughs) yeah vance is like the people who are like shipping all the jobs to china and like selling you opioids those people are good that that's sort of the jd vance message but it might not matter because it's a Republican-leading year in a Republican-leading state. But so we'll see. the thing. Like I said, a lot of the Republicans pivoted to being MAGA guys when it was beneficial. Very few of them, I think, may openly got to fame by talking about how much they hated Trump. A lot of them just kind of stayed silent. Right. I think we spent a lot of time on Ohio. I think yeah. we should move on. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what's the – oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, gun to uh, my head. I think Ron Johnson's got it. Yeah. I think Tony Evers wins, but I think so does Ron Johnson. Yeah, I think both these races, I think even though Johnson's leading the polls is wide sometimes, I think it's going to be close just because I don't see that many people looking and saying, well, um, I do think Mandela Barnes supports defunding the police and Ron Johnson was right to try to overthrow the government. But also, I don't support a national abortion ban. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't see that many people thinking like that. I could see... Maybe like just enough people would do that so that split ticket wins, but I don't think it's going to be enough that either of them wins by a very wide margin unless unless there isn't a lot of split ticket voting and Evers and Barnes both win or Tim Michaels and Ron Johnson also win. Yeah. Or both I, win, I should say, instead of Evers and Barnes. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think um, I think um, 
it could end up being closer than expected, even though the polls showed Barnes's lead just evaporating because Barnes has finally started to go on the offensive. Yeah, like I, uh, I think... I think Barnes gets 47%. That's my prediction. Like 51, 47 Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So that's around, what I'm predicting. Like, so around the same margin, he he's won by every time, basically. Yeah. I think he squeaks it out. Yeah. I, I think he does too. But again, Ron Johnson's still not very well liked, I think. No, and, not at all. And I think um, something, I think if... A lot. I think this is one of the races that really depends on how accurate the polls are because if you look at the polls, Republicans are a, are a polling error away from either just get just crushing the Democrats completely or just making almost or just falling flat. Yeah, the the polls have been super tight this election. I do kind of wonder, like, is there kind of an incentive to make your polls as tight as possible so they'll get more attention? That's something I haven't really seen anyone talk about. So this might just be me being a crackpot. That is entirely possible. But that is something I wonder about. Yeah, although I, what if I could see young people turning out because of Roe? Because one thing Evers is saying to try to try to prevent us a veto-proof majority from getting into the state legislature, which very well may happen, which is going to be very bad if it does, and also trying to prevent Johnson from getting a third term, is basically talking about abortion. And in his own race, he is basically saying, you know— if Republicans are going to keep the legislature either way, but if they get a veto-proof majority and or Tim Michaels wins, I'm you know there will be no backstop. There will be no guard. There will be no barrier between them and a statewide abortion ban, like a statewide fetal heartbeat, or you know making voting even harder to access or things like that. He's basically saying I'm your last line of defense. Like don't don't wait. Don't screw this up. Yeah, and he's kind of right. Like the. Tim Michaels is pretty much openly saying, yeah, if I win, we're going to have Wisconsin for a generation as a Republican state. And not in the way of like, I'm. he's not saying like, oh, I'm going to be so successful and like bringing back jobs that everyone will like, because he's basically saying, no, yeah, like, we'll just, I'll just decide who wins if I become governor. Yeah, it, it does kind of feel like we're like, I don't know how to say this without sounding incredibly alarmist, but it does feel like increasingly one of the parties just doesn't really value free elections. And maybe maybe they never did. Maybe I'm being naive. But no, that is increasingly where we're at here. No, they're openly saying, um, yeah, no, we can't have people vote because then we'll lose more. Yeah. I mean, I guess this isn't new because of, like, the gerrymandering stuff. Like, you know, that's been there for a while. But, like... And, you know, if you want to go further back, you could do you could look at like white primaries or that kind of thing. Well, that was Democrats. Yeah, true. But still, like, I feel like gerrymandering, you could at least say, well, it's a dirty trick, but politics is dirty and it's legal. You know, they have the power to do that. Now they're we're just unco openly seeing candidates either kind of allude to, if not outright stating, yeah, if I become governor of this swing state, I might just choose my own electors, even if Joe Biden wins re-election and just decide that they actually go to Trump or whoever the nominee is in 2024 for the GOP. Yeah, I I worry about that a lot and like what's going to happen when that happens cuz it will. Yeah. And no, like what um, do we what happens then? I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think um I think I think Evers is also running a very good campaign because he's attacking Michaels for his actions in the private sector. For um, he's accusing Michael of kind of allowing for this like atmosphere of um, uh, 
this atmosphere of kind of like this um, environment of harassment and uh, sexual abuse to take place in um, his firms. Yeah, and right. I, I think sector. we should move on to the next day. Yeah, um, well, I was gonna say okay. Um, next day. Oh, um, but what are final predictions? Evers wins, but Barnes loses. Yes, that's my final prediction. Johnson yeah. Evers. Yeah, that's what I say. Um, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, the most talked about race of the cycle. Yeah, except for maybe like Arizona. Yeah, maybe Arizona. I or, I've heard more people talk race. about. Yeah, I've heard more people talk about Pennsylvania. Honestly. Yeah. Pennsylvania, I kind of like my the pessimist in me says Oz wins, but I could see Shapiro dragging Fetterman over the finish line because Master Yano's campaign is not going well. He does not have a lot of money. His he is not drawing big crowds. Yeah, I I think if Fetterman wins, it'll be because of Shapiro. Absolutely. Yeah, I could see like I if Shapiro like ha- wins with like a solid lead, I think he becomes yeah. nationally relevant very quickly. Because he would be credited with very, you know, very reasonably credited with defeating Doug Mastriano, who, as we know, is, I don't even, I'm not even just going to say stop the steel guy, because that's not like, that's not, you know, extreme enough to accurately describe him. He is just a fully Q-pilled psychopath. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, I, like, I try not to talk in extreme terms like that, but let's be honest, for Doug Mastriano, it's true. Oh, absolutely. He, He just is. Yeah. And here's like he was he was literally at January sixth. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not great. And not like because he was a senator, so like of course he was there. You know, he was certifying votes. No, he was a state senator in Pennsylvania. And yeah, just and he decided was, to go there. Yeah, it's crazy that you can just go to January sixth and then just like run for election. It's just fine. No one cares. Yeah, I could see Oz winning. He's pulling ahead in recent polls, but a lot of those again are partisan polls. Yeah, I I think Fetterman takes it very narrowly. Yeah, I something else I could also see My, is Okay, oh, is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the stroke I think definitely hurt Fetterman, but I think he had a decent response. I also, disagree. I think Americans love dying guys. But well, I think something that could also have Mel Carnahan, Donald Trump, Joe yeah. Biden. We love guys who are either dead or clearly in cognitive decline. I think I that helps Fetterman. I don't know. I wouldn't say Biden's a cognitive climate. Say he has some trouble speaking because, like, that happens when he gets older. But I wouldn't say, like, oh, his brain isn't working. Like, I wouldn't say he's demented or anything. No, he doesn't have dementia. But, like, he's clearly, like, you know, not as sharp as he used to be. Well, he also has a stutter. And, like, when you get older, it can be harder to, like, control. Okay, everyone says, everyone says he has a stutter. Watch videos of him speaking in the 80s and 90s. He didn't have a stutter back then. Well, when you're older, don't forget, it. Don't, he could have also mastered that before going to public speaking. And when you get older, from what I've heard, it can be more difficult to kind of, con- to kind of have control and overcome your speech impediments. Okay, then yeah, he's not as sharp so, as he used to be. Yeah, he, yeah, no, he doesn't but like, control I, his stutter anymore. No, but I'm not. Yeah, but I'm not going to say like, oh, like he's demented. No, I don't think he is. Yeah, no, I but he's clearly he not running at a hundred percent. I think that's fair yeah. to say. At least in terms of a speech, mentally, it's a different story. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you yeah. can't. T- I don't know. Yeah, By the like, way, I think the same is also true of Trump. Like, I think he's also not mentally all there. Well, so Trump's, like, and I think it kind of shows that like. We love that in America. We love a guy who is, like, not mentally all there. Well, Trump is convinced he won an election. He lost by 7 million votes. And, like, that. <laughs> so, yeah. and also, like, and also Biden, like, Trump can just, can Trump cannot, like, 
string a sentence together that relates the to the previous sentence he said. Yeah, that's true. Did you see the C the CPAC speech he gave in 2019? No, I did not. But we gotta. We've already yeah. been going for 28 minutes. Let's try to wrap. Okay. This up. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, Pennsylvania. Um. I want to say Oz, but I'm gonna. You know, what? I'm. I feel like the universe is gonna go against whatever I say, so I'm gonna force myself to say Oz wins, so that way Fetterman wins. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say Fetterman wins. So, yeah. last two races to talk about: Nevada and Georgia. Which ones do you want to do? Um. Let's see. Uh, Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, so this is an interesting one because Dem- these. This oh, is and a- Arizona. We gotta do Arizona. Yeah. Too. Um. Oh, we also have to do every house race for like at least ten minutes, so we're gonna be here for like another like eight hours. <laughs> of course, of course. First off, um, Wyoming. Um, uh, let's. Who do you think's gonna win that one? They don't even have a Senate race. No, I'm talking about the House. I don't even know who the Wyoming House rep is. It's Liz Cheney. Oh, is it? Yeah, uh, but she's uh, not okay. running. It's Harriet Hageman who beat her in the primary. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought she I thought she didn't run anymore. No, she's in she's in the house, but she's not running. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean that doesn't. Yeah. Matter. So Nevada, this is an interesting one because this is where a lot of the talk about the Latino vote is going. Because as we know, Trump improved on Lati- on his performance with Latinos in twenty twenty as opposed to twenty sixteen. True. True. But that was very much in certain places. Yeah. That I think might have been more pr- where the Latino communities might have been more predisposed to vote Republican. Yeah. I like, think yeah, Nev- I think polls tend to undercount Latinos, especially the ones who are not native English speakers. Oh, that is true because they might not be able to answer the polls. Yeah, if they're in a- conducting English, I think this is this is very interesting to me because both candidates I think have a lot of baggage. Laxalt, the Republican nominee, it's more personal. Kathleen yeah. Cortez Masto, the incumbent Democratic senator, it's more institutional because, as we know, Harry Reid, who was kind of the kind of the titan of Nevada Democratic politics for the last 30 years is dead now. Um, so, which, and the, and the teachers union did not endorse either candidate. And a lot of people are saying if Harry Reid was alive, Cortez Masto would have gotten that endorsement. Yeah, probably. But here's the thing. Laxalt was endorsed, and this was not just in the general, in the GOP primary, endorsed by Mitch McConnell, Rick Scott, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, so you have some heavy hitters there, right? Yeah, that's like all the big boys of the party. Yeah, the Nevada GOP did not endorse his primary opponent. Wow. Yeah, okay, a guy so named that's... Sam Brown who is a soldier who had his face disfigured in combat, I think in either Iraq or Afghanistan. I don't know which one. Okay. So and... that that is interesting because I think that shows that, you know, maybe— uh... He's not that strong. Yeah, maybe not. And he's ahead in the polls by a hair— but here's the thing. He, Laxalt also got under 60% of the vote in his primary. And granted, it was like a lot a lot of different candidates, including Nevada has this option, none of these candidates. But Laxalt and his opponent, Sam Brown, were the only two people who uh, like Republicans really thought had like even like a snowball's chance in hell of winning that primary. Yeah. And Sam Brown got, I think it was like 58 Adam Laxalt, 34% for Sam Brown. Yeah, okay. Which, if you're Adam Laxalt, is not a good sign. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not ideal if you want yeah. to unify the party and win in a swing state. Yeah, also, Cortez right, so Masto has the culinary union um, going all out for her. That is good. The what union? The culinary union, which has a lot of Latino members. Okay, yeah, that could be big. So I could see so, Cortez final Masto pulling this out. Final prediction. Cortez Masto, governor's race, I haven't followed as much. The Republican nominee, Joe Lombardo, is up in the polls, but... 
I don't see, but like Black Salt and Joe Lombardo are both very right-wing Republicans. So I don't see a lot of people voting for a Democrat and Republican in this scenario. Okay. So I'm just going to say Democrats. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So now we come to, you want to do uh, Arizona or Georgia next? Let's do Georgia because Herschel Walker, oh boy. Yeah, I, 538 has him up. I would like to point that out. Barely. 57-43 in terms of chance to win. Yeah, exactly. Like, that could really go either way. Like, Tro- Joni Ernst and Teresa Greenfield, it was like 50-50-20-20. Joni Ernst won by six points. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, uh... I think Warnock wins, but so does Kemp. That's my that's my gut instinct. No, I think that's very reasonable because I could because I think Warnock is also just like very well liked on a personal level. Yeah, I, that's what I think. That's what I think. Like, I think Raphael Warnock is kind of everything Stacey Abrams thinks she is. Like the like the likable like uh, black candidate who can like get minority turnout and like white liberals and like kind of like like get like this broad coalition going. Yeah, get this kind of very broad coalition who's actually able to flip the state. Like, I think Warnock is the guy who can do that, and I don't think Abrams is. I think, I'll put it this way, I think Abrams was the right person to set up the operations need to do that, but I think Warnock is the better candidate to see to see that project through. Yeah, Abrams is also, like, not running a serious campaign. Like, you, uh, there was that Politico article about her campaign manager, like, not, Im- I don't want to say embezzling money, but, you know, maybe if there's a synonym for embezzling. Like, he- he's making a lot of money. He's making a lot of money as her campaign chair. Like, more than you should as a campaign chair. Yeah, and it's weird. I'll probably link it in the show notes, because it-, yeah. it-, it was weird. I think Ken um, has also managed to, better than I expected, um, walk the fine line between, like, being able to appeal to white suburbanites, but also going full on MAGA. Cause don't forget he signed like restricted voter laws in a place, you know, in 2018, there was all that, there was, there, there was a lot of, que- there was. Oh well, yeah. That Kemp is a bastard to be clear. But he also did not vote. To, he also said to Donald Trump, no, I'm not overturning the results. You lost, get over it. Yeah. So I think that probably helps him. I, a little bit in Georgia because Georgia is more swingy now. The thing about Georgia that's interesting, that kind of differentiates it from a lot of other swing states, is it's very inelastic. There, are, Like, Pennsylvania is a swing state because there's a lot of swing voters. Or, like, Nevada, Ge- like, Latinos, like, can go... Yeah. Like, Latinos will, like, mostly go Democrat, but, like, there are enough up for grabs that, like, in a good year, Republicans can win that state. Yeah, whereas, like, you look at Georgia, there are very few swing voters... There's just a relatively even amount of Democrats and Republicans, so it's more about turnout than it is about convincing swing voters. Yeah, because like it's it's like population like over thirty percent of the population is Black people who like at like even like in like a very bad year for Democrats. I want to say Democrats will win at least like eighty five percent of the vote of the Black yeah. vote in a bad year. In a good year, it'll be like ninety two, ninety three. And yeah. but like outside of like Atlanta, like all like the white people in Georgia tend to be very Republican. Yeah. Like, if you go to, like, rural Georgia, like, if you look at the map, it is, like, bright red. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think I think Warnock wins. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know. I could. I feel like Republicans I, are— Yeah, I'm, I'm defying the polls. I'm, I'm saying Warnock. Yeah, I mean, uh, or not the polls, the 538 model. But Walker's only up by hair. Like, it's very reasonable that—it's very reasonable to predict that that is off and Warnock wins. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I think Kemp is also going to win, though. 
Yeah, agreed. That okay. And now we come to the the piece de resistance of our uh, of our predictions. Wait, we might have to talk Arizona. about Oklahoma because I promised my friend from Oklahoma we talk about this race. Okay, fine. We'll do Oklahoma. So this is a, another sign of how weird the midterms are because in states like Washington and Oregon, you have Republicans running competitive, but in states like Oklahoma, where Trump wins every single county, you have Democrats running competitive races. Where? In for Oklahoma. the House or for the House though, or for the governor? For, for the governor. Okay, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, like Kevin Stitt, the incumbent Republican, is like in more trouble than you think. Like, I think Glenn Youngkin had to campaign for him at some point. Oh, wow. Like, and Glenn <laughs> Youngkin's been making a lot of stops. Yeah, that's true. Like, like you'd assume, oh, it's Republican year in a even more Republican state. Okay, he's going to win. But no, the Democratic nominee, Joy Hoffmeister, is putting up a, a good challenge. The Hoffmeister. <laughs> no, this is weird because I've seen like, Polls where it's like Stitt will be up by like 10, but also polls where it's like Hoffmeister's up by 10. So is that just polls in Oklahoma are weird or is there something there? Maybe. I don't. Uh, like, the... what is it about her or her campaign that makes this competitive? I or don't... is Kevin or what or Kevin Stitt? Like, is she a uniquely good candidate? Is he a uniquely bad candidate? What I are mean, we doing here? I don't know. He's gotten like the endorsements from like the heavy hitters like Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis. But. And I haven't looked into this enough, so you should look into it for yourself because I don't want to spread misinformation, which is why I'm not going to say too much about it. But I did hear there was a scandal where he was secretly raising funds to build his own governor's mansion. Ooh, yeah, that would hurt. Like, without, like, like without public knowledge. That would so, like, be, uh, yeah, that would be not awesome. Yes, yeah, so, like there's the regular governor's, governor's mansion, and apparently he wanted to like build his own governor's mansion. Okay, weird. Yeah, I'm going to say he wins, though. Yeah, Sam. And now, Arizona. Oh, God. The grudge match. Mark Kelly versus Blake Masters. Oh, God. He, um, like, besides J.D. Vance, I think he is the one I like the least out of him. Besides Vance and Ron Johnson, I'd say this guy is the one I like the least. I think Masters is the most openly cynical candidate in the race. Also the most openly smug. Yeah, like, the thing about Blake Masters is he has basically no connection to Arizona. He just decided to move there to run for Senate. No, I think he grew he, up there. Yeah, but he didn't live there for, like, what, 20, 30 years? I wouldn't go that far. Okay, he was born in Denver, then moved to Tucson when he was a kid. Yeah, but didn't he live in California for quite a while? Yeah, he went to Stanford uh, Law School. That's where he met Peter Thiel and, like, made a lot, and then just hung out with him to make money. Yeah, like, he's kind of, his whole thing is, like, he's kind of Peter Thiel's buddy. Yeah, like, like is too, but, like, Blake Masters is, like, the pro Blake Masters much, yeah, Blake Masters much more so, I think. Yeah, like, J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley, it's, like, they're guys who, like, are getting money from Thiel and are chummy with him. Blake Masters, I'd say, is, like, Peter Thiel's sidekick, sidekick more than either Hawley or J.D. Vance is. Yeah, the Robin to Peter Thiel's Batman. The Robin to Peter Thiel's Batman, who wants your blood for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Thiel, probably a future episode topic. Okay, wait, ooh, I, oh, I got one, I got one. Blake yeah. Masters, the syringe to Peter Thiel's blood pouch. <laughs> yeah. How much, okay, just ballpark, how much blood do you think Blake Masters has given to Peter Thiel, personally? Just ballpark well, numbers. Peter Thiel, from, I don't think he's given any, honestly. Okay, all right. Do you think he like recruits Kit? Like, do you think when they were in, when like, because Blake Masters is like kind of a young looking guy. Do you think he like poses as a young guy 
to be like, hey guys, let's sell our blood to Peter Thiel. Well, he's young, but like not number one, he's not like super young. He's in his thirties. Number two, he's like six four. Yeah, that's a fair. Blend in with fifteen year olds very well. Yeah, but like twenty year olds. Well, he's also like he also has like the smugness of like a guy who like he also has like a certain smugness that like a kid like I don't know if a kid could have. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's not the smugness. He's very. He feels more refined. Yeah. No, no he's very erudite. No, I'd say it's safe to say that Blake Masters is the most red-pilled person of all time. Yeah, he's like, he's the candidate for guys who have, like, Trump with laser eyes as their profile picture on Twitter. Like, that's who he's for. Yeah, that's who he's for. <laughs> no, um... No, Blake Masters is... Blake Masters, I feel like I could see... I think Carrie Lake will win. Okay. She's running a much better campaign than Katie Hobbs. And while she is as right wing or maybe say less right wing than Doug Mastriano, unlike Doug Mastriano, she is very charismatic, is getting a lot of like enthusiasm, and is also like telegenic. Yeah, no, I, th- which, I think she wins. I'm not Which is I'm terrifying because not... she's a fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah, oh God, she is awful. Yeah, but I think she wins. Yeah, I think Mark Kelly wins too. Like, I think I Mark Kelly yeah. is also just like kind of like Warnock, where he's just kind of like well liked because he seems like a nice middle aged guy. Yeah, I <sighs> like not solely because of that, but I think that definitely helps Mark Kelly. No, I think that helps quite a bit, honestly. Like, Mark Kelly, I think, comes like comes across as down to earth. Blake Masters comes across as like smug. Yeah, like if I'm a guy who doesn't pay a lot of attention to politics, I like Masters. I or I like Kelly more than I like Masters. Just sort of interpersonally yeah you know like the guy with the vein his forehead meme yeah that's blake masters like holding in like his smugness when he has to like talk to like someone who like didn't go to like stanford for like more than five minutes <laughs> yeah that's fair like I, right. I don't know i just I, I don't think masters will win yeah all right uh we've gone on for 42 minutes i think maybe i'm gonna cut it here and i'll upload this as a separate episode I think yeah, maybe that's wait, the no, plan. let's talk about every house race for 30 minutes. Okay, <laughs> so first off, uh wait, which seat is um uh which seat is Nancy Pelosi, and I think that's gonna be close. <laughs> By the way, we're spending the first like three hours talking specifically about California races with the PVI of 30 plus Democrat. Of course, of course. Yeah. No, right. I think uh yeah, right. I think Mark Kelly wins this one, but yeah, also okay. so does Carrie Lake. All right, so we've got our predictions locked in. Yeah. Uh, I'll make sure to get this episode, even if I don't get the full episode, up tonight, so that way it's okay. in time for the yeah. midterms. Um, I think we cut it here. Uh, follow us on Twitter at running on a, at OpposedPod. Uh, email us at runningonopposed at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Wait, okay, uh, one last thing I want to yeah. point out. About Florida, not the races, but something very funny is happening. So, as we know, Trump will probably announce he's running for a second term. Yeah. Um, but DeSantis, I think, also wants to run for president. And not only they're holding dual route of like rival ra- uh ra- like competing rallies. Um, <laughs> but also in Florida, Marco Rubio is up for re-election, and Trump is has endorsed Rubio, but not DeSantis. And he is holding a rally for Rubio, but not, but DeSantis will not be there. That is some interesting infighting. No, it's we'll have to funny. keep. Yeah, we'll have to keep posted and see he how that goes. He also called um, Trump at a rally. He was like, 
you guys are going to be very happy like with the, my announcement coming soon. He's like, look at the polls. Donald at 70%. Ron DeSanctimonious. That's what he called him, by the way. That's not me saying it. Terrible nickname. That. Terrible he was, nickname. He's he was washed. Like, he was like, Ron DeSanctimonious, 10%. Mike, Mike Pence at 7%. Mike's doing better than I thought. Good for Mike. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been real. It's been fun. But uh, I will get this episode up tonight. If you're listening, uh, the regular episode will be up either today or tomorrow, depending on if I have time for it or not. But uh, yeah. good night and good luck. All right. Uh, we're filming, we're recording another episode right after this. So please tune in. We will. We would love to have you guys listen. Yes. All one of you guys listen. We love it. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone.